0: Quick question for you. Are you a federal access member yet? If you're a government contractor, you need a federal access account. You can get started today with a free membership. Just visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Free members get access to about 20 documents and templates, as well as our video training playbooks. More importantly, this gets you in the RSM federal ecosystem and makes you part of our community. So go grab your free account today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everyone, Michael Lejeune here as your host on Game Changers today. And uh, I am flying solo today in the studio so I can bring you a really powerful laser-focused session on executive summaries and this is one of those sessions that it almost seems more like a like a teaching session than an interview so i just want to do this one-on-one with you this week so we could uh, we could kind of have that type of style to the podcast today. So so thanks for jumping on and listening today. I think this is going to be really powerful. You're going to get a whole lot out of this. Uh, we're going to dive in in just a moment and talk very deeply about executive summaries and just how powerful and important they are to your success in winning a government contract. Because after all, almost everything you do that's, that's big uh, requires an RFP. And typically you're competing with people in order to make that happen. So Before we jump right in, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for today, the Federal Access Program. The Federal Access Program contains every resource you need to win government contracts. That's right, every single resource you need to win government contracts, from the techniques and strategies to documents and on-demand training videos, there's live webinars, there's document templates and things like that, proposal templates, all kind of really cool stuff. There's these weekly playbook videos that are about five, six minutes long that are just a real quick injection of really good training and reminders and stuff that you really need to focus on in government contracting. Um, There's also our podcast archive is in there. So literally all of the podcasts from the beginning of time are right in there. And then one of the really cool things is they actually have... Access via their support to subject matter experts. So folks like myself, uh, Joshua Frank, uh, people like that are the only people that respond to this. So subject matter experts, it's not like some you know junior level executives that we brought in uh, right out of college or anything like that. This is the, the top guys in, in the company there. So join today and you get a free copy of the government sales manual with your subscription. Simply go to uh, federal-access.com forward slash join That's J O I N, uh, go to that website today. You get a free copy of the government sales manual, which is really the foundation for a lot of federal access and has helped our clients win $1.6 billion in government contracts. So with that out of the way, let's uh, let's just jump right in and start talking about executive summaries here today. So uh, if you listen to the podcast a lot, you know I, I talk kind of fast, so I'll do my best to slow down here. But when I get really excited, I kind of talk a little fast. So you may have to rewind and go over some of these. But one of the really cool things about this is uh, when we recorded this, not only did we do the podcast, we did a five-minute playbook video. So that's inside Federal Access as well. And we also built a webinar around it. So in addition to the podcast today, there is also those two other items. So you can go watch the playbook video and you can go uh, watch the replay of the actual uh, the webinar on this. So all really, really powerful stuff that I highly encourage you to check out. So when you get a minute. Please go check out that stuff. I think you're really going to enjoy that, especially the webinar. It just kind of breaks a lot of the stuff down visually, and I think it'll be really powerful for you to have all those resources. That's why we made them, right? So with that, I want to start with, you know, why is the executive summary so important? And, and for those that don't know, the executive summary is right at the beginning of which you know summary you think it should be at the end a lot of times but it's not it's the executive summary is typically at the beginning of an rfp response that you create and so it is one to two pages you know sometimes three pages it really just depends on on how big the rfp is you know if it's a if it's an RFP that requires a ninety-page response, which I have seen that happen, you know, it may it may take you three pages to summarize the whole thing. Uh, but generally, we're going to see one and a half, two pages um, is what the executive summary is going to be. Some people squeeze it into one page, but it's right at the front, and it kind of goes over and gives an overview for the uh, the proposal reviewer. It gives them an overview of what you cover. In your RFP response, so that's basically what this is. And so, why is the executive sum summary so important? Well, it, it's the overview of what you cover, right? So, we're trying to 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 number one, uh, we're we're trying to convey some of the information that is inside this, so that people even want to read it. So, I always boil it down to these top two reasons. So, this is often the only thing that a proposal reviewer is going to read so that that's number one here when when you're thinking about the importance of the executive summary understand that the reviewers are not required to read every single page of your response so this may be the only thing that the reviewer reads and so if this is the only thing that a reviewer reads because understand again It may not be a situation where you have five responses. There may be 50 responses, 100 responses, and if every response is 98 pages long, do you think every reviewer is going to read every single page? The answer is no. There's no way that they're going to read every single page. What they're going to do, and this is point number two, is the executive summary determines if you go in the short stack for complete review. And so, you know, there's those two two reasons here why it's so important is one, this is often the only thing the reviewer is going to read. And two, if they want to read more, this is what determines, the executive summary determines if you go in the short stack for additional review and consideration. So think about that for a moment there. There's these one or two pages of your entire response, which could be Thirty pages, fifty pages, a hundred pages. I've seen this happen before. And if your executive summary is not powerful enough, you go into the stack instead of the short stack. Because there's going to be this huge stack where people have read the executive summaries and looked through them and thought yeah if we have to we'll go back but i i think this short stack is really where we're going to choose a winner from and and your goal is to be in the short stack so that they go through and actually read everything about yours and they choose you and again in situations where there are hundreds of responses which it can happen there can be dozens or even hundreds of responses they may only be able to look at yours and say hey Based on the executive summary, this is who we should choose. It's just the reality of things. And so I I don't care what anybody tells you. That's the reality when it comes down to this. So what I want to give you today is a simple eight list checklist of just eight bullet points here that you can that you can go through. You know, you can skim through before you write your executive summary and after you're done with it. So you can make sure you have complied with this list to make sure you've got the best shot at being either in the short stack or outright winning uh, a proposal. And so number one is, you know, the executive summary should be written after the rest of the proposal. So I know a lot of people like to write what I call front to back or left to right, which is or top to bottom where they start at the very top which is the executive summary and they just and they work their way down through the proposal and and while that does work for some people most people start the executive summary with a lot of good intentions but then as you're going through and responding to the RFP you kind of lose your way if you will and you and you migrate away from the executive summary into other points you want to cover and then most people never go back and modify the executive summary so what we recommend is you start with an outline and then write the RFP based on your outline and then come back and write the you know the executive summary so that is point number one is it should be written after the rest of the proposal so Point number two, uh, you know, your executive summary should cover your top three to five key points. Now, whether it's three or five is going to depend on how long your RFP is and how many key points you have and that sort of thing. But it should really hammer those top three to five. If you've got 20 points that you make, I don't recommend you cover all 20. I recommend you focus on the top three to five And you really hammer those home in the executive summary. Again, there's a really good chance that the only thing the reviewer is going to read is your executive summary. And and I'm going to hammer that point the entire podcast here because people often write these things and assume, wow, there's a really good point that I included on page 39. And when they get there, man, that is just going to turn the tide for us. Think about that, you know? What if they never get to page thirty nine? Or what if the reviewer is reading that and their mind is just I don't want to say zoned out, but you know, when people are reading, they typically remember, you know, the first fifteen minutes of what they're reading really, really well, and the last fifteen minutes really, really well. They don't often remember the the down and dirty details in the beginning and if one of your super important points is somewhere in the middle, say page thirty nine, it may get missed. I mean, they may read it and just it may not click for them how important that point is that you just made. So that's why we're wanting to summarize that stuff in the executive summary, okay so that that should make a lot of sense to you after you after you hear it a few times, but it's very important that you cover those points. so, The next item, number three, is one that I think is is really, really important for you to adhere to is the, the executive summary should really set the tone for the rest of your proposal. And what I mean by that is it should say a lot with few words. It should be clear and concise, but it should also be written in a way that's similar to the rest of your proposal. So what happens a lot of times in writing is you'll have people who, you know, split up the, the task of writing a proposal and you'll have people that write different pieces of it. And then you'll have a totally different person that writes the executive summary. And when they write a really powerful executive summary, it's written with one voice or one tone. And then you start reading the rest of the RFP and it likes it looks like two totally different authors wrote it. It's a difference between picking up the dictionary and reading a novel and the different voice that, that you'll see in there. And so what we don't want to happen is have the front of your proposal, your executive summary look like a novel, and then the rest of it look like a dictionary. We're, we're trying to smooth out the tone here. And so even if it has to be what I call like, you know, the tone could be reviewed or whatever it is by that one person writing the executive summary, you want to convey the same style through there. And so we want them to read it and feel like wow this is it's really gripping they're really saying a lot very quickly and then they get into we don't want them to then transition into the rest of the RP and be like wow it took them four pages to describe this one bullet item we don't we don't want that to happen it should set the tone for exactly what they're going to read ahead and what they read ahead should be written very similar in tone to that and so this is one of those things where I recommend you look at the executive at uh, this executive summary checklist before you start writing so that the tone is set the same. So we want to set the tone for the rest of the RFP similar to how you're going to write the executive summary, that same style. But it should make somebody look at it and go, wow, I'm really interested in reading the rest of this. So number four is the executive summary needs to be written as though the executive summary and pricing are the only things that the reviewers are going to read. So again, remember, there's a good chance, not not a small chance, there's a good chance, I'd say 50% or greater, that the only thing the reviewer is going to read, at least to get you in the short, short stack, is your executive summary. And then they may like, be like, I wonder what their pricing is. And so what I recommend is, Is It's covering all the main key points. It's hitting on the things you really want them to grasp. And any key point that you don't dive into detail about, you actually point to it in the document, such as the pricing. For example, uh, you know, there's more detail on this on page 87 on page 35 on page, whatever, you know, pricing, our pricing breakdown is on the last page, page 65, whatever it may be. You're pointing to those things so that you're drawing attention to them. And yes, some people would say, what if they just skip to that and they only read that? Well, that's better than them only reading the executive summary and then putting it down. So we, we want to point to those things, that are key that we can't break down on one and a half, two pages throughout this. But again, we want this written in a way that if this is all they read, they're going to wanna choose you, okay? So I hope that makes a lot of sense. So the next two items, are uh, should be no brainers, but I want to call these out because I I read a lot of stuff from folks and they often don't include these two points. So what I want you to understand is number five here is it needs to be based on the evaluation criteria. So a lot of people want to talk about their solution, want to talk about their company, want to talk about all the great things you've done, all the awards you've won and all that good stuff. And that's all great. But when you're writing the executive summary, it really needs to be based on the evaluation criteria in the RFP. So what does that mean? Well, when you're going through and looking at the RFP, there's evaluation, evaluation criteria that they're going to clearly spell out. And often what we recommend is to sit down with the RFP and different color highlighters and highlight stuff like let's say yellow is your evaluation criteria. You're going to highlight everything that's evaluation criteria, because sometimes they're spelling it out in paragraphs. Sometimes they're spelling it out in bullet points, however it may be. You just you want to go through and highlight what the evaluation criteria are. Now, again, it could be a really long proposal that you're writing here. You may not be able to hit on every single one. So pull out the top two, three, four evaluation criteria pieces that you want to hammer in the executive summary and that's part of what you're going to focus on. So you're going to focus on the main key evaluation criteria because number 1 that's how they're evaluating your proposal but two that's how you how you know what's important to the reviewer. So I don't want to write about something often left field If what's in right field is what's important. So we want to focus on what's in right field, which should be the evaluation criteria. They should spell that out very clearly for you. And that should help you focus your writing. Again, that's what they're interested in. So that's what we should write about. Not all the little things about our company that we're excited about. Okay. The other thing is number six here. It's super important that we use their language when we're actually writing our response so that is number six use the language directly from the rfp and so a lot of people look at that and say well i did use their language you know like well they said it this way and you said it that way which are not the same words i'm literally saying use the same words okay if they use the word solution you should use the word solution and not fix. So, you know, fix is another word for solution, right? But you can't use that word fix. You have to use the word solution. Why? Because that's the word they used. Okay. It, it, again, anywhere they're using specific words like that, we want to use their words because it communicates at a different level. It shows uh, number one it shows how much attention you paid to the the words you used and number two it 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 just it separates your language from everyone else who's going to look at this and use their language to communicate what they believe the word solution means so it, it, imagine this if if you know there if you look up the word solution in a thesaurus or any other or just Google it or whatever, you're going to find there's tons of different words that you could use for solution. And what you'll find is when other companies are writing their proposals, there's tons of different people out there doing this and they're going to say, well, I don't like the word solution. I like this word. And so there's probably going to be 50 different words for solution that are used interchangeably or even, you know, uh, you know, compound words that are put together to describe this But you're using the word exactly like the client used it. That is going to make you jump out in the stack. Especially when you hit on keywords that you see repeated over and over and over again inside the RFP and you're using those words. That is going to hit at a different level and, and a different level of understanding for the person reviewing this RFP response. Okay. So again... Use the language directly from the RFP, and you will connect at a different level with the people reviewing it. The other thing here is uh, we want to separate ourselves from the competition when we're writing the executive summary. If you have something that is unique to your company, whether it's a process or a product, or maybe you hold a patent on something uh, that is critical to to providing this solution for the customer. You want to highlight that here. Again, this is not a time where you highlight it on page 39 through 50 in detail because guess what? They may not read pages 39 through 50. You want to highlight it here where you know they are reading so that you can separate yourself from the competition and get in the short stack. So... Number seven is separate your solution from the competition. I call it through differentiation. This is where, you know, again, you have something like a unique process, intellectual property, uh, a patent, um, a system you use. Maybe you even have uh, some sort of exclusivity uh, to supply a product or something from someone. You want to highlight that here because this is where you're going to differentiate from the competition. And it's it, again, it's going to make you pop in that short stack of solutions. OK, so number eight and the final one here is if you put all of this to- stuff together, you should make the reviewer want to read the rest of your proposal. So you, if you've gone through. And the language is right out of the RFP. You've separated yourself from the competition. It's based on the evaluation criteria. It's written as though this is the only thing they're going to read besides the pricing. It's it set a clear tone. It's covering your three or four, five key points. And it just pulls the reader in, in this final step here, to make them want to read the rest of it. And so what, what does that mean? Again, it's like the intro of a really great novel that by the time you've read the first paragraph, sometimes the first line of a really good novel. But the first paragraph, the first page or so, you are so into the story that you want to read the book. You know, there's some mystery about it. And, and so the way I like to leave mystery is when you're talking about things in your executive summary, you start to point to things That are in the rest of it, so that you can say, you know, this is um, how we're going to solve the problem. But the details of how we're going to execute our solution are, you know, some of that's covered on page twelve, you know, and then the next key point, those are covered in depth on page seventeen and thirty-four and whatever. And and you're you're just giving them enough that really just whets their appetite and makes the reviewer say oh man, I really want to read how they're going to execute on this. Because this is a really bold statement that the company just made on solving this problem or executing in this direction or supplying this product or service, whatever it may be. Because sometimes it's just a product and it sounds like, well, we're going to supply the product. How are we going to execute? Well, maybe part of it is in your shipping. Maybe part of it is in the way you you. Um, provide the solution, maybe it's in the support you provide for the solution or the product or whatever it is. There's things that separate you that you can't go into detail in, in the executive summary, but you can whet their appetite. You can say, you can literally say the words, we're going to go into more detail on page 35 about this. And this is going to help you understand how we're able to... Create this solution that you think isn't even possible. There's ways to say that, even using some of the words I just shared. So so let, let me recap this for you. So the executive summary checklist is eight points here. It's number one is the executive executive summary should be written after the rest of the proposal. Number two, it should cover your top three to five key points. Number three, it should set the tone for the rest of your proposal. Number four, it should be written as though the executive summary and pricing are all that the reviewers are going to read. Number five, it should be based on the evaluation criteria of the RFP. Number six, it uses language directly from the RFP. Number seven, it should separate your solution from the competition. And number eight, it should make the reviewer want to read the rest of your proposal. And so the way I would recommend you use this, and, and I'm, just, I'm just recapping all this, is I recommend before you even write your RFP to sit down and look at this. Sit down and go through this. And when you're creating your outline for your RFP response, this should help you even with that step before you write the executive summary, review this list and say, okay, I got to make sure I'm incorporating all this stuff in the executive summary. Then the final piece before you're submitting your RFP is to pull this checklist out one last time and say, can I say yes? Can I check the box on every single one of these points? Because if you can't, you need to do some more work on your executive summary. At the end of the day, you need to be able to check yes or check check the box or say yes to every single one of these eight points to make sure that you have covered all your bases and you have made sure that you are going to put together the best RFP response possible. I hope that makes a lot of sense for you. I really appreciate everybody listening in today. This is a little bit different, but I think this is really powerful stuff that if you use this properly, you're going to increase your win rate on your next proposal. So, again, thank you for listening today. I, I just want to thank every listener that's out there that joined us. I really appreciate you going through this episode. Remember, you can find every episode of Game Changers on iTunes all you have to do is, uh, is go over to iTunes and look for Game Changers for Government Contractors and subscribe to the feed to make sure you never miss an episode because this is really good stuff, and I don't want you to ever miss an episode of this. And last but not least, I really want to take a moment to uh, thank our sponsor for today's episode, the Federal Access Program. You can go and visit them at federal-access.com forward slash join when you visit the page today you will learn how to get a free Yes, i said a free copy of the government sales manual which has basically become the bible for government sales for every government contractor that i know that's out there so be sure to tune in next time for more great lessons on how you can win more government contracts thanks for listening to game changers for government contractors For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.